This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, Steve Crossman here. I'm just dropping in quickly with a completely not made up fact. Did you know it is not actually possible to have too much football in your life? It's true, and we've got you covered on the Football Daily. The biggest names covering the biggest games with the biggest debates, all hitting your podcast feed seven days a week. Get involved and subscribe to the Football Daily on BBC Sounds. Now, back to your podcast. Guys, this is your warning. We do swear occasionally. Every now and then we'll say the word sometimes, sometimes, and even maybe. But don't let that put you off. We're nice people. We beep them out so your kids can listen. (laughs) Enjoy. And cross strikes in the first over. It's what England were looking for. Hartley falls down the track, comes scoring, this time she connects. It's either six or out, it's six. Hello and welcome back to Nobles, the cricket podcast with me, Alex Hartley. I forgot our name then, and you, Kate Cross. At least you didn't forget your name. Which you have done in the past. (laughs) With me, Kate Cross, and you, Kate Cross. Welcome to our Christmas special, everybody. Merry Christmas! Okay, that's enough of that. When the kids start singing and cross, he starts to play. Boom, boom, boom. What's your favourite Christmas song? Um, That one, I do like that one. Oh, okay. What about yours? Mm. Some good ones out there, actually, isn't there? There's a, a few belting Christmas tunes that it's a shame they only get Mar- played from August onwards. Um, <laughs> I like Step Into Christmas by Elton John. Step Into, into Christmas, Christmas, that one. Join together, da, 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 forever and ever. Yeah, that one. Good tune. Bit of Mariah Carey never goes wrong. Classic, classic Christmas. Yeah. I just saw her on the TV singing Christmas songs. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, currently down in London, so I've lived in a hotel room now for four days because I'm doing some work with BT on the mashes, which is it's been all right. It's been fun. The you've show has been good... all right and fun, not the mashes. You've got a good gig though, because you're on telly for forty minutes, and that's it. And ten minutes of that is the highlights slash lowlights of the mashes, so it's great. I know. I know the mashes, Crossy. I know. Before we go into cricket chat, we've. It's the Christmas special. We know our fans like it. We've not done it for a few weeks. Shall we do Trough and... Peak of the week. Peak of the week. Should we do it? Yeah, should we do peak first? Yeah, let's do our peaks. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Al. Uh, I deleted my sticky note by mistake, so there's n- there's not much on here for me to chat about. Um, oh, you're being honest there, are you? Yeah, I'm being honest. Or have you just not done your homework No, genuinely, my, my, my sticky note had gone. My to-do list was still there, but my... My podcast sticky note disappeared. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I have not written any notes. You never do. Yeah. Never do. That's, you know, you do the hard yards to this podcast. Um. Anyway, what what did we say we'd start with? Peak. Peak, yeah. You go first. My peak of the week is Usman Kawaja. Yes. Just him as a human. Him as a human. He was 
Two stepping on the boundary yesterday. I mean, probably <laughs> probably sums up where Australia are in this test series. But more importantly, he must listen to the podcast. Crossy, tell me what he's done. He came on as 12th man and without even getting near any other player, he already was hat stacking. He came on with a floppy and a baggy green. So a floppy and a baggy on top of each other for no real reason. So I think he must listen to this podcast. He must do. He's gone, you know what? I'm going to make it onto their podcast. He must know about the hat stacking World Cup. Because who's floppy? He's his floppy, but who's baggy green? Because you're not doing, you're not putting both your caps on. It's like you putting your ODI cap on over the top of your T20 cap. Exactly. Hey, so there's one for you. It, well, it could be done, couldn't it? Don't give me ideas. Oh yeah. So peak of the week, Uzzy. Like absolutely, hat, hats off to you. Wait, we applaud <laughs> you, but not hats off. Hats on. Put more on. Thank you. Your peak of the week. We do. Uh, my peak of the week. So mine actually goes back a few months. <laughs> in the summer. Okay. <laughs> in the summer, somebody got hit in the the danglies. The crown jewels. And Eb- Ebony Rainford Brent was commentating and said, "Oh, it's hit him in the gooly wooly woolies." Alex Hales, friend which, of the podcast. Yes, it was Alex Hales. Thanks for the memory. Um, to which we found. Hilarious. The ghoulie, wooly, wooly. Ghoulie, wooly, And I was watching BT today. Your friend that you were commentating with, which his name is... Steen. Steen said, Oh, yeah, mate, in the ghoulie, wooly, woolies. Yes. Because <laughs> you, you teed him up to say it and you said, I'll give you 20 quid if you say it. And I said, I'll double it and give you 20 quid also. So he's got himself 40 quid, but he also added to ghoulie, wooly, woolies. Ghoulie, wooly, woolies. Hopefully it should get trended on Twitter soon. It should, and we've both got clips of it, so obviously they'll go on the internet. Speaking of ghoulie woolie woolies, how much did you just want to wrap Joe Root up and put him in a little blanket and just protect him at all costs? Oh, Joe Root. Without Joe Root, how bad will England be? Well, Joe Root... But just Joe Root. ...is meat and veg going into the third (laughs) test match. (laughs) I mean, he went for a scan in the morning because he got hit there in warm-up, and then... Mitchell Stark hits him again during the game in front of... Did you see him shooing the spider cam away when he was about to check yeah. them? Yeah, like, do we don't want to see that? It's like, no, Joe, we don't either. No, I mean, there's been a few people tweet us saying that he really wants to come on this podcast and take that ambassadorial role off Ben Stokes because he effectively is no balls. Oh, poor Joe Root. Oh, poor Joe Root. Oh, anyway, have you got a trough of the week? Um, If you've got one, you go first. Okay, <laughs> I've got a trough, Crossy. Okay, go on, hit me. I'm ready. I've got COVID. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Um, I mean, how I've not got it sooner is really a miracle. Mm. Um, but I am now isolating on my own until the 28th of December. <laughs> God's sake. Like, So you've single-handedly ruined Christmas. You like the Grinch. That ties in quite nicely with my trough of the week, actually, because I saw you on the it, I saw you on the Wednesday, <laughs> and technically I'm your close contact. And because I've, I'm double jabbed, I've had my booster. Which, by the way, everyone just go and get because it makes such a yeah. difference. Just go get your booster. Well, does it? I had mine Friday. <laughs> yeah, because but you got COVID on the Tuesday. You got to give it a bit of time, Al. You can't just get COVID and then go get boosted and hope it gets rid of it. <laughs> But yeah, um, so I'm now a little bit restricted with what I'm allowed to do. Um, all my tests have been coming back negative, so I'm all right. But yeah, my trough of the week is that I'm a close contact with you. 
Yeah, and you're not allowed back to the house, so... The irony of it was, though, we were just saying, weren't we, that if I'd not come down to London to do this work, I'd probably have COVID as well, and me and you'd be having Christmas Day in the flat, probably cooking Augusta or something. <laughs> At least we'd have put the tree up. <laughs> yeah, we could have done. We could have done, like, a live podcast from the COVID flat. Oh, yeah, anyway, so I feel all right. For I know there's people that have been really poorly with it. I'm young, I'm fit. I've been double-jabbed half boosted and a, shall we say and a half boost yeah yeah so i'm fine i just feel a bit tired is all i feel i actually feel like this is a really nice time to talk about covid a little bit in general because i feel like there's a lot more anxiety around christmas covid there's i feel like there's a lot of people isolating as well because of like pretty much effectively your story seems to have happened to a lot of other people so yeah i guess if you are listening to this and, and you've got COVID. And you've got COVID. <laughs> um, I'm going to play a song for you. We're in it together. Next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we hope you're all all right. Um no, genuinely, I do wish it could be Christmas next Wednesday. Yeah, so do I, actually. It'd do us a massive favour, wouldn't it? So you aren't allowed to go England cricket training tomorrow, are you, because of me? No, so they're just really precautionary. We're obviously so close to flying to the ashes now. Um, it's just not worth COVID going through our camp because we no. we need to be on that plane on the 7th of January. Um, we've seen a bit of Mash's chat. We've seen how difficult it is without the proper prep to go over to Australia and play well and win. So I think we've got in the back of our minds that as well. Like we know it's going to be tough. Yeah. Have you seen um, a member of the broadcasting team has wiped out loads of people as well? No way. Do we know who? No, somebody's got COVID. Nobody knows who it is, but has been a close contact to everybody. And basically nobody was at the ground. It just goes to show, doesn't it? It's literally so rife at the minute. But other than that, are you all good? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. It's a bit strange. I feel like I'm like away from my family and friends at a time when I probably should be around them around Christmas time. Um, and obviously we're going away. Yeah, sorry for th- about that. We're going away for three months. No, but I mean because I'm working down in London. Yeah, yeah. But also, like, I had loads of plans to do stuff with people and catch up with my friends that I've not seen for ages, and everyone's got COVID now. So I've literally sat in a hotel room for four days, other than when I've been live on the telly. I know it's weird, isn't it? I know so many more people this time round that have got it than I ever have before. Yeah, same. So anyway, you can come home on the 28th of December. Yeah, nice. Nice, thanks. Really kind of you, that. Mashes. Mashes. Did you watch? Have you been watching? Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's been... The thing that I've noticed that's frustrating as an England fan is that we seem to be losing the game in the same way. Yeah, yeah, we do. It's just so frustrating when you... I mean, it's hard enough when you're in the team and you are doing that and you know that and you you try and change it and you can't change it and it happens again. But as a fan, you can't implement, you can't help, you can't do anything. It's like, stop doing what you're doing. It's just so frustrating. And do you know what? It's Australia is just the better side. That's the crux of it, isn't it? Just the better side, yeah. The only person I can forgive for getting out in the way they did was Joe Root. Yes, he snicked off. Yes, normally he probably would have left the ball or defended it, whatever. But he'd just been hitting the ghoulie woolly woolies in a bit of pain, not had the best day. 
and he completely got set up by Stark. Like Stark bolts so well at the end there. It's, yeah. oh. Do you know what? That I was I was been saying this all week. We had a really similar situation in the 2019 Ashes at Home where we couldn't win a game, and it got to yeah. You're a bit you're a bit worse actually than the men. Oh, thanks. Did you not get bowled up like 50 in an ODI game? <laughs> I mean, we challenged them in the first two games, so there's already a bit bit of a difference there. But yeah, then we did get absolutely wiped out at Canterbury. Although, got my first international boundary that day, so it was quite a good day for me personally. Top scored as well, didn't you? With eight. Double figures. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you've lost my train of thought now. Sorry. Mashes, Australia, Stark. Australia just better. Well, Root. Been saying, like, how do you... the the keep, keep asking me how do you motivate yourself or the team when you're in this situation and you know it's going to be hard to win and there's nothing that you can do other than like take your personal pride into that game and say right well I'm going to do X, Y, Z and hopefully that'll be the 5% the team needs to make the difference but it is just so difficult when you're under the pump and people will have lost confidence um, the saving grace for me was that I know Haseeb got out early in the second innings of this test, but Rory scored some runs and it wasn't many, it wasn't a big score, but he stayed out there to get a bit of confidence, get a bit of time in the middle. So now hopefully if people can start piecing it together to put into the Boxing Day test match, then we win that game and it might just bring the series to life. Oh my God, Ollie Rob. <laughs> Let's talk about Ollie, Ollie Rob. Ollie Rob all in spinning and sunglasses. Off spin, international seamer just pulling off spin in his sunglasses. Actually messaged me today saying yay or nay about the sunglasses. I was like, absolutely. You love it, don't you? You love bowling in the sunnies. It, I feel like it's a thing that yeah. the England team do. Yeah, the spinners should bowl in sunglasses. He he actually, I learned today, does bowl spin for Sussex quite frequently. So he'll often in the first innings when it's seaming around and nipping and swinging, he'll bowl seam. And then he's... You know, it's not just like he's doing it in the nets and then just rocked up today and had a bowl. Oh, and then when he's a bit tired, it's hot. He's a bit unfit. He'll bowl some spin. <laughs> That's a classic Seamer's career, actually, isn't it? Like, just suddenly start bowling off spin when they turn 32. Yeah, if you dare. Yeah. We don't I, need I anymore. Bet I would turn the ball more than you as well. You probably would. I'm working on it, Crossy. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, you were about to say something serious before. Oh, the batting. The I think the thing for me, you say you said the name Stokes, Butler, Pope. There, they've not got big run. Well, they've not got runs yet. They're due. They're like, they need time in the middle. So you think if they can fire now, they've still. We're not even halfway through this series. Like if they can start yeah. firing, hopefully it'll bring the series to life. Yeah, Josh Butler taking worldies, dropping sitters. Mad, absolutely mad. Re I saw a thing that Matt Pryor did today. Have you seen it? It was amazing about wasn't his it? technique. Yeah. Mm and how when he's ready to take the ball his left heel is already off the floor therefore all his weight is through his right leg which is why he's taking worldies to his left but then he's struggling to go to his right and it makes so much yeah. sense I saw everything that Pryor had done earlier in the week as well it's just obviously I've never listened to any kind of wicket keeping coaching because you're generally kept away from the wicket keepers and they, co they kind of do the one to one stuff with um, the coach but he was talking about how wicket keeping isn't done with your hands so when Josh dropped that catch um, off Anderson in the first innings he made it look like he'd dropped a sitter but it was actually his feet that hadn't done the work so th there's so much that you don't really know about but obviously that's why the insight of Pryor is so fascinating because he just delivered it and like, let us know why Josh is dropping those catches 
Yeah, it's been good to listen to. We did go into this day-night test thinking, got a bit of faith. We've got Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, Chris Wokes, can all swing a pink ball. We are missing a bit of pace. We need a bit of wood. You like a bit of wood? I do like a bit of wood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah missing him. Just brings something extra, doesn't he? Like the yeah. lengths that he hits. And that's just something that I think England haven't done that well for for long periods of time. You've got to have the energy. You've got to have the endurance. Um, and Mark Wood has shown that he can do that. Get him in. Get Wood in. Get him in. Um, any more mashes, chat? I think... Should we leave it there? Because it's... It's been... I've actually... There's also... Sorry, there's also a lot of TMS podcasts all talking about the same thing. Yeah, okay. Well, that's our little insight into cricket, everybody. And the depressing state of the mashes. But there's still three more games to go. I would absolutely love it if they won at Melbourne, took the series 2-1. How good would this series be? Oh, yeah, that'd be class. That'd be class. Fingers crossed, everybody. Come on, England. Um, Right, we need to go upstairs with somebody. Who would you like to go upstairs with? Because I picked the wide signalling umpire last week, so you you pick. I would like to go upstairs with him, but with a Santa hat on both feet. Yeah, right. Christmas after all. Here we go. This one says, Hello, Kate and Alex. You might not see this email to 2021, but since I'm sending this before Christmas, I both wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It works. Amazing. <laughs> Having listened to this week's episode with Kate's dad when you talked about the Christmas giveaway, it got me thinking. Throwback. You two have made a lot of people happy with this giveaway. We're not doing another one. For me, I feel it's not just about the mug, although it looks great, but this act of kindness and how you have lifted a lot of people's spirits during this long year got me thinking. As well as donating to charity, I was thinking I could offer to give you something back. Oh, he's offering to give us something to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we send just it. ignored him. Send it. Yeah, send it. We'll have it. I've actually got an up-to-date one here found one that we didn't go through last week it says hi kate and alex your correspondent asked whether colored shoes look right on a cricket field do you remember this chat yeah i have to admit they have a point but from a scorer's point of view they're a real bonus when it comes to telling players apart when they're all wearing the same kit obviously and the shirt number isn't visible so i say keep them of course most players wear white shoes so we have to get more inventive and recently i've started noting the colors of the soles of the shoes kate is particularly Ooh. helpful because her soul shoe colour is less common than most so my question is to Kate do you know the colour of the soles of your shoes because I do (laughs) wow who's that from I admit that this sounds like an LBW but I maintain it's really helpful knowledge and that's from Mike who's an occasional women's international cricket scorer do you reckon he has you down as crossy blue soul I well that's that's my answer I do think I've got blue soles well, that's why I said it. I think you got blue soles as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, how can I find this out? In fact, I do have blue soles because my New Balance logo is blue on the shoe, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Crossy blue shoes. Crossy blue sole. <laughs> blue soles. Doesn't quite work. I mean, there's been, Hello, ladies. there's been so many times where I have had a blue sole. <laughs> yeah. It, it does. Yeah, it works. Not just on the cricket not pitch. Just my shoes, mate. <laughs> hey, guys. Great podcast. I always look forward to a new one each week. I had a genuine question 
Of all the teams you have played against, domestic and international, which team would you like to play for? So you're not allowed to pick a team you have already played for. All the best, Martin. Um, played against. Uh, there's not really that many in the hundred that I'd want to play for. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, the obvious one is like playing an, an IPL team, but I've not played against any of them, so it's that's a really tough question. Maybe I wouldn't mind playing for one of the Melbourne teams in the Big Bash in the WBBL. Yeah, nice. What about you? I'll play for anyone, whoever wants me. Hundred worldwide. I just like just playing take cricket. yourself global. Play a bit of franchise yeah. cricket around the world. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Just not superchargers. No, I would go to them. Would you? You've played in purple before, actually. For... Yeah, I'd play for anyone, Crossy. I would play for anyone. And we beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> to be fair, we do well in um, at Headingley as well. Exactly. Morning legends. A few questions on commentary. Ho ho. There's quite a few, eh? Ho ho. <laughs> ho ho ho. Number one. There always seems such a big turnover of commentators on the radio being rotated. What are you doing when you're not on air apart from finding ice cream? Um depends the format of the game. So test match. I'll sit down, lie down normally, <laughs> have a little snooze. Um, just play on my phone knowing that in 20 minutes when you're back on air probably not much has changed I feel like when you're not on air you almost need to listen to who is on air because I've noticed or I can tell now particularly with um, radio if I'm in the car you can tell who's not listened because you end up repeating stuff but not crediting the person that's been on before like you know if you'd said something I could be like oh as Hartley mentioned earlier but you can tell the people who haven't quite listened to what's being fed through the radio I feel like that's a bit unprofessional sometimes. Yeah, my bad. Well, I'm not saying you do it, <laughs> but I think people probably should do it more. Yeah, yeah, they should. But it's also really hard to be switched on for the whole day. Yeah, no, I So I do get that. it. Yeah. Question number yeah. two. Do you get to spend any time with the players when you're on a commentary day? No, not anymore because of COVID. Used to be able to. So you always used to see the England girls come over and chat to us vice versa but nothing now because because of the covid just a bit restricted isn't it normally you would you would though uh number three do you prefer commentating on the radio or the tv oh good question i think the radio i can be more myself um but i like both they're both different yeah they what are about different. you i actually find the radio easier than tv because not not that this happens a lot, but if you make a mistake or you say someone was caught at mid-wicket and they were caught at square leg or something like that, the listener can't correct you. Whereas if you yeah. say something wrong on the TV, that clip generally goes out on Twitter and if you've made a mistake, it's obviously obvious because people can see the, the play. So I feel like radio's easier in that regard. A bit more forgiving. Yeah, good good word actually and I found going from radio to TV the best bit of advice I got given was that you have to be comfortable with silence yeah whereas when you're on the radio you have to fill silence because you are explaining absolutely everything that you can see so I found that really difficult to be quiet almost yeah yeah I do like both though they're both completely different aren't they yeah yeah I do yeah they're both good fun question number four who do you like to co-commentate with 
My favourite person to co-commentate with is Henry Moran. Yeah, you two have got really good chemistry, haven't you? Yeah, we've got a really good, like, working relationship where we can just be ourselves and have a lot of fun. And a lot of people always say it's best when we're on together. So we, I'm always like, put us on together. Mm, I think it's always good when you're working with someone like Henry as well that you trust him to be... Not to, not that he would, but to not, to not stitch you up, to not, like, put you down a rabbit hole where you can't get out of, like the trust that you two have in a friendship obviously relates to your co-commentary relationship as well he does like to set me up in certain ways that i'll just say something a little bit inappropriate and then he'll look at me wink at me and carry on and i'm I'm there like laughing like this is not okay yeah i love working with daggers yes i have some of my best days with daggers but it's a really similar thing though like me and him understand each other he knows my cricket knowledge well enough to know what to ask me what not to ask me etc so yeah question number five is it hard to have to say when things go wrong for example a bad shot a drop catch or a misfield especially when they might be a friend i wonder what she's talking about no it's not i think with me and you if i'm playing your commentating vice versa it's just part of the job isn't it like if you drop a dolly i'm sorry but i'm gonna have to say you've dropped a dolly yeah as well i'm never gonna listen to it so say what you want yeah like i'm yeah. not gonna go back and listen to the radio i might again this comes back to the, like the tv bit i might see the highlights of what gets said on a tv because i'll watch the videos but i'm not gonna go back and listen to four hours of radio yeah <laughs> no you've got better things to do with your time not now you're isolating though sorry about that <laughs> question six <laughs> do you get more nervous when you're commentating or playing Ooh. Ooh. Good question. Oh, it depends on the cricket game itself. Um, and always, always the first TV game of the summer, I'm physically shaking. I'm that nervous. Really? Yeah. Like my knees are like clattering together and I'm like, oh my God, everyone's going to see the microphone shaking. I always worry about, whether it's commentating or anything, I always worry about people seeing you physically shake because obviously we, you do get nervous, but even like, doing any type of public speaking I hate having to hold a microphone because you can see it whereas at least if you've got the microphone in your ear or slash near your mouth you don't have to touch it you can't see the shaking yeah do you get more nervous playing or commentating um again it depends on the game I think I I do get nervous playing not not as much anymore but my thing with playing is that I generally don't impact the game or influence the game until at least 10 overs in yeah. so I find that quite difficult because I'm waiting for either the ball to come to me or me to get the ball to bowl and obviously I don't yeah. open the ball in for England so I found that I get more nervous because of that I think yeah I know what you mean when I used to play for England obviously I used to do fine leg to fine leg and would come on in like the 17th over and everybody knew that I was quite an anxious player and got quite nervous so always after the first over, somebody would throw me the cricket ball yeah. so that I could just be like, oh, right, I've got it now, yeah. relax. And I've got this thing about like getting the first, my first throw in of the game. You always want it to be a good throw. And you think if you don't field the ball till the ninth, 10th over, you like you can't get yourself relaxed. So I don't think yeah. I get, I, I probably would get more nervous for playing than commentating. I, I don't really, that doesn't stress me out too much because I just think I, I say what I see in front of me that day and that can change you can't plan for that and whether or not yeah and whether or not people agree with it well, it's up to them isn't it yeah and generally like we always do our homework with commentary so it's not like you're going to get found found out or anything 
Yeah. Last one. Have you got any good, embarrassing on-air stories? Something as good as Crossy singing on the BBC Breakfast would be great. I I've got loads. <laughs> you literally every time you go on the radio. Charlie Dean made her international debut this year, and her ODI debut, I think it was. You were playing at Worcester, and she took a wicket and she went down towards fine leg to go towards the crowd. And I said, oh, now she can relax and enjoy the crowd clapping her. But I actually said, cloud crap her. Got my words muddled up. It muddled up, yeah. Can happen. Tongue twisters are probably yeah, my favourite. I don't. I can't think of any that I've done, actually, other than singing on the BBC Breakfast. Yeah. I've, I've honestly go through my Twitter. I've had loads. I've loved women's cricket for a long time, but this summer has been something else. feel like it's developed decades in just 12 months. It feels like people are finally taking it seriously and the inspiration that you've created is going to be very, very special. And thank you for everything you both do towards that too with the podcast. It's not just the next generation though. I gave up playing when I was younger because I was self-conscious and embarrassed of always playing with the boys. I felt ready to go back to it this summer and 14 years later, I'm playing again. Thank you for making me love playing and training again and not just being on the sidelines. For each of those small-minded sorry BBC, that give you grief on social media, there's a 30-year-old me that is inspired. Don't stop fighting. Much love to you both, Ellie. Yes, Ellie. I love that you've started playing cricket again. That's (laughs) amazing. Well, I've got one here. Dearest Kate and dearest Alex. Thank you so much for the podcast. It's been the highlight of my weeks during lockdown. Here is my question. Which are better? Bats, the cricket equipment, or bats, the creatures? Marks out of 10 for both, please. Bats, the creatures are vile. They look really cool against the night sky, I'll give them that. But otherwise, what are they doing? They just hang upside down. You tell me one purpose of a bat that's not a cricket bat was about to say that like what animals do bats eat spiders if they eat spiders love them what does a bat actually do (laughs) what good do bats do here we go from pollinating our favourite fruits to eating pesky insects to inspiring medical marvels bats are heroes of the night no they're not they created corona true very very true basically they just pollinate seeds and stuff why do they do it at night? Why are they so secretive? Yeah. They're like burglars of the animal world. Mm. <laughs> so, therefore, uh, animal bat zero and a cricket bat ten. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy with that. Evening, you two. Not emailed in a while, but this has been bothering me. Henry's pronunciation of tortoise, he gave the example of a porpoise, which I also pronounce ois. Does he pronounce turquoise as turquoise are we sure it's a north south divide or is henry broken anyway you two are correct he's not lots of love andy (laughs) andy henry is definitely broken turquoise is that the color yeah turquoise yeah it's not turquoise turquoise but he ah right okay so andy's saying that he says porpoise he says it as porpoise i think i say oh no i say porpoise I don't know what porpoise is. What's the word? Dolphin. It's a posh word for a dolphin. Porpoise. See, I would just say dolphin. Yeah. Interesting. We didn't get as much. Well, we actually, we did get a lot of responses from that, but I don't know geography well enough to know where people were saying they're from to put it into a 
map. If someone could do it for no. us, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, somebody did say they say tortoise and they were from Yorkshire, so it just ruined the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, we gave up quite quickly. Dear Kate and Alex, what is your favourite Ashes memory? This question is for both of you. And which Aussie girls would you love to invite on your podcast? Love to hear some Oz- Oz- Ashes rivalries and banters. Maybe with the Washes, we'll try and get get some of the Aussies on. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Mm. Um, What's your favourite Ashes memory? To play in or to watch, do you think? Nah, let's go to play. You're a player. It probably has, like, has to be winning it in, well, retaining it technically when we went to the back-to-back Ashes over in Australia. And we'd won the Test match. I think we won the first ODI, but then we just needed to win one more game. And it took us a while to get that win. It was the probably first T20 or second T20 in Hobart. And I remember Lottie and Sarah Taylor having this amazing partnership. And I think Lottie hit the winning runs, which was really apt. And then we all legged it onto the pitch. And I've never been part of one of those like huddles on the pitch where the, the players on the side run on. Um, and it was just amazing. We had one of the best nights that I've ever been involved in that night in Salamanca down at the bay in Hobart. Oh my God, I love Salamanca. <laughs> we went to a, a bar called Cargo and... What a place Cargo is. <laughs> yeah, and I think we were pretty much the only people in there because we won it on a Sunday. So like Australia is generally pretty quiet on a Sunday, isn't it? But Hobart especially. Yeah. And... I don't know why we were doing it, but someone would just start shouting down from 10. So it would just be in the middle of the like dance floor having a dance and someone go, 10, 9, 8. And it was basically, you've got 10 seconds to get on the dance floor. So if you weren't on the dance floor, you had to get on the <laughs> dance floor. And we had this silly little dance routine that we would do. It was like a mob, like a flash dance that we just created ourselves in Hobart because we have won the that. ashes. It was amazing. Genuinely amazing. Was that 2015? 2014 we went over there yeah because we haven't had the ashes since then do you know what i was saying to my mum and dad the other day because ashes selection the squad came out the other when was it last week um congratulations by the way (laughs) yeah thanks um this is my (laughs) first overseas ashes that i've been picked in since i made my debut in 2014 wow and I, I, I was like have I missed one and I've not I've not played Ashes cricket in Australia since I played in that test match at the Wacker wow that's mad uh, well you, you're the good luck omen then so you better bring them home I hope you? so I've played in two at home that we've lost quite significantly <laughs> but I'm hoping that maybe you're the overseas I'm good the omen overseas yeah <laughs> yeah nice Um, I haven't really got a a good Ashes memory because in 2017 we lost and then in 2019 I didn't make the squad so <laughs> yeah maybe making my so-called Ashes debut never made my test debut so me and the Ashes are not friends do you think genuine question not like a leading question do you think that too much is made of the Ashes these days oh do you know like all the, there's a lot of hi- yeah the hype and the theatre and and the rest of it do you think it's beneficial or do you think it's got a bit too much. Nah, I think it's beneficial to like get fans engaged and like ready for it. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be media around it, but the amount that goes into like 
just the build-up talk of it from the players, from everyone. Like you don't get this for New Zealand playing England in an English summer. But it's the Ashes. Yeah. I just think since 2005, it's become like something different. It's become theatre. It's become it like entertainment yeah. more than a match. Yeah, it has. But then, so I am genuinely thinking out loud in my own question here, but careers are genuinely defined by these types of series, aren't they? So like Ashes series, World Cups, they're the kind of things that people remember you for like yeah. how many hundreds has Ben Stokes scored in his test career do you like everyone will remember the one at Headingley yeah like will Joe Root loses captaincy over this Ashes if they get absolutely whitewashed yeah yeah it's like that's what people are talking about and that's like it's the Ashes yeah it's it is interesting isn't it it's as a player you want to play in the big moments and you want to be a part of that and you want to have the career defining moments but it, I don't know. I just I think I've seen it from a like broadcasting point of view this week, and how much pressure is put on the players, and like that. Joe Root is a good example. If he doesn't do well, then the captaincy might be gone. And it, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I actually don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. Well, in your head, don't big it up. It's just a series, and you go out there and smash it. Oh yeah, I'm the good luck yeah. charm for the overseas. Like, what, what's the problem? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I feel like we've not had much fun today. Should we try and find some fun ones to finish? I've got one here. Hello both. I'm a very big fan. Question. Would you rather celebrate a wicket on a free hit? Oh, God. <laughs> or go out to bat doing your full warm-up, sidesteps and everything when the innings has finished? That is from Eleanor Threlkeld. It's a great question. And I'm I'm really delighted actually that she's brought it up because uh, you've done both those things, <laughs> multiple occasions. <laughs> We've definitely talked about this before, I'm sure. Certainly the warm up bit. Yeah, I have done both of these on multiple occasions. Celebrating a wicket on a free hit on the international stage has got to be a career low light. Thankfully, I mean you did it in a game where there was no one in, in India. No, no, just probably. You know, your casual 5,000 people in a massive stadium in India. Oh, there was no one in that day. Was there not? Nagpur, no. Absolutely. There was literally not one person in, because that's why we could hear you celebrate it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so embarrassing. Which one would you rather do, though, Crossy? I think we've all celebrated a wicket on a no-ball, haven't we? We've all had that moment. For me, what's even more embarrassing, it happened to me in Oman... He's being at deep square leg and the ball spins past you when everyone shouts spin. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, really was embarrassed about that. For anyone that's not heard me going out to bat doing my full warm up, sidesteps and everything, Crossy stitched me up mm. in a in, in a warm up game. Was that this year? Last year. Last year, one of the warm up games for the KSL last year. I had just come back from international duty, so I wasn't playing in this game. <laughs> so I was a bit bored on the sideline. And there was one ball left in the over, and you had your pads on. And you'd asked how many balls are left, and I said two. And a wicket fell. And so you got off and <laughs> proceeded to do your entire like batting routine out to the middle, only for all the players to be coming the same way. <laughs> <laughs> do you know now I'm really conscious about it so I don't do my side steps or anything so I'm definitely out in the middle and there's people not walking off the pitch <laughs> <laughs> oh I loved it and everyone knew everyone but you knew 
<laughs> oh, I just wasn't concentrating. I think I was so excited to have you back from international cricket that I was just giddy from the whole day. And why would you yeah, not you trust me? Threw me. You, yeah, I've learnt my lesson there, haven't Speaking I? Speaking of stitch-ups, how about you the other day when I came back from Oman? Tried to scare me and you didn't even have the light switches on. Yeah. The most yeah. And all you said was, all you said was, you could have helped me with my bags, mate. Honestly, I was absolutely <laughs> flagging. I'd had like an hour's sleep, travelled for 22 hours, dragging a coffin of 36 kilos up three flights of stairs. I know, I wanted to scare you and I forgot that the telly was on, the lights were on. It just wasn't set up for the occasion, was it? No, it was, yeah, it was poor effort. Um, right, I've got an email here, I think. Last one? Yeah. Yeah. It says, love the podcast, here to share embarrassing DM stories. Oh. Fingers crossed. Hey, Kate and Alex, Karan here, Indian living in the US, in the land of Starbucks and Grey's Anatomy. I love your podcast. It's so refreshing and funny, along with being informative. I apologize if this email is too long, but I had to write in after binging with so many things I wanted to email. Speaking of weird DMs to Stuart Broad, do you remember? <laughs> I forgot about that. So as a backstory for anyone that hasn't listened to that episode, <laughs> you sent me one of Stuart Broad's Instagram stories. Yeah, listening to Radio 1, which his fiance co-hosts. Molly King was was working on. And it was back when Instagram <laughs> had the function that if you clicked on it, it took you to your DM with that person so I suddenly found myself in Stuart Broad's DM not knowing and thinking that it was your DM and I sent him a <laughs> sent him a message saying it was great to see you supporting his missus <laughs> oh god the embarrassment I didn't even know it till like four days later did I I will never forget walking around Sainsbury's and uh, laughing and laughing and laughing because you were like, oh my God, I've just sent Stuart Broad a message saying, nice to see you supporting the missus. I didn't notice until four days later because I thought I'd sent it to you. And then I went on my Instagram DMs and I was like, why is Stuart Broad in my inbox? And it was me. I'd messaged him. I didn't know. Anyway, speaking of weird DMs to Stuart Broad, here I was unable to contain my joy at seeing your podcast finally have an Instagram page that I didn't realise my second DM to you guys was a load of autocorrected gibberish. Don't worry about this, Karen, because Hartley sends me gibberish literally every single day. I do, and there's nothing worse than sliding into someone's DMs. Someone actually did it to us the other day on our podcast one. It was meant to go to a friend, and I think it... it like they sent it sent us a message being like i love these two like check out their new podcast <laughs> they just sent it to us love that though that gives us that makes us feel good so i'm happy about it yeah yeah keep sliding in crossy hartley it's christmas it's christmas time there's no need to be afraid yes i'll round this at christmas time what did you want to say to me so crossy it's christmas oh is that it yeah and i did want i had a message for our listeners as well for anyone that is in my current situation that's isolating over christmas on your own our podcast is there to get you through if you don't have anyone you've got us mine and crossy's dms are always open so please send us a message if you're struggling over the next few weeks it's a tough time of year for everybody and i'll be on my own so i can keep people entertained well said i've got nothing to add to that 
Hope you all have a lovely time with your families if you're able to see them. If not, FaceTime's an absolute godsend. So it is. Enjoy. It is. Merry Christmas, everybody. Every day is Christmas. What a nice way to spend See ya. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And Cross strikes in the first over. It's what England we're looking for. Hartley balls down the track, comes scoring this time, Chicken Axe. It's either six or out, it's six. BBC Sounds. June 2008. Across the London skyline, a helicopter emerges. It lands at Lord's Cricket Ground. Emerging from the helicopter is a tall, brash Texan called Alan Stanford. And he's come with a load of money and a revolutionary idea to change cricket. One night, one game, winner take all, 20 US million dollars. What was to follow was one of the most extraordinary stories to ever hit sport. This guy smells to high heaven. He fooled important people. I'm Greg James, and you can hear Alan Stanford, the man who bought cricket, by searching for sports' strangest crimes on BBC Sounds. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Just in the Christmas spirit, Crossy. All right, okay, nice.